Hi guys. Welcome back to Into the Light, a different life story, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today, I've got Craig Brown with me. Craig is a man who, like me, explored, um, what shall we say, our addictions, our passions in all the wrong ways. Uh, we both explored what not to do in our lives. <laughs> and we both went into depth there. Uh, and yeah, it is, uh, we've got probably a lot of stories to tell. But equally, he is a man who completely turned his life around and makes his life today worthwhile living. And he shares his passion. And he shares it through through Jesus Christ and, and his church and his his talk and more importantly his book. And when I when I saw the title of the book, Stop Hiding, Start Healing, hell, I knew I needed to have him on the show because that is what we do as addicts, isn't it? We are hiding. That's our main job. It's 90% of our job description as an alcoholic. So mm -hmm. no. I'm so pleased to have you on my show, Craig. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. I know, I know we're going to have a very uh, special time together. Indeed, indeed, right. And, and it's cool because we can actually have fun. We can actually have bunter. We can actually be doing, talking honest from our heart. Sure. And that's, that's yeah. something which I couldn't do when I was an addict. Yeah. I exactly you, you, I needed I needed drugs or in my case actually alcohol I needed alcohol yeah. to really lubricate my tongue and uh, to the end that was actually quite literal because in the morning you literally your mouth was dry like oh a badger's arse um so I, I had to have the eye opener at times um but yeah well that was my story at least how did the sure. story go with you what uh, what was your poison in the past? Oh, my poison. Uh, mine was uh, primarily cocaine and and uh, and alcohol. Um, in the early '80s, I entered into the pit of hell, and I, uh, as I, as I, as you probably um, found out earlier by you know uh, looking up my information, but I I was working. Unbeknownst to me, I took a job in Washington, D.C. at a bar and a restaurant that was owned by the biggest cocaine dealer on the East Coast in the United States. And um, as a 19 and 20 year old with no direction, no self-esteem, no self-discipline, uh, one who was searching uh, for uh, identity and acceptance, uh, the party welcomes everybody. And I got sucked up into that drunk world. Um, and it was just my path to the pit of hell. Mm -hmm. And I operated in that, uh, pit of hell for a number of years. Um, it was, uh, depressing. It was dark. Um, and you know, it was, a, it was at times I, I'm looking around asking myself, how, how did I get here? And it all has to do with, uh, our past, you know, uh, our past leads us to either success or failure or, or healthy lifestyle or unhealthy lifestyle. And I, I had um, a rather dysfunctional past growing up in the family I grew up in. And I, I was accepted into that lifestyle. And I jumped in head first and I operated in that for, for quite a few years until as I share in my book, chapter one, until the pain in my life was greater than my fear of changing. And for all of us that struggle with addiction, all of us that struggle with pain, shame, failure, depression, anxiety, whatever that may be, uh, until that pain level is greater than our fear and our fear of changing, our fear of a new life, our fear of being exposed, our fear of uh, having people uh, find out who we really are. Um, when that pain level is at that elevated level, it's a wonderful place to be because that's when the healing takes place. When you started, were you front of house? Were you serving or were you in the kitchen? I was uh, I was in the front 
I was in the front and the, I mean, he's running a major, major, he was the, he used the, the business to launder the money and he ran a major operation out of this, out of this place in Washington, DC and people from Congress, people, musicians, uh, television people, you know, they were all coming in and out of this place. And as a 19 and 20 year old, right. When you have no direction, no purpose, no mission, um, you're, you think you're living the life and, uh, it was all artificial and it was destructive. And I had so many opportunities to turn my life around, whether it be in the hospital or arrested or, you know, one car accident after another and just staying up for three days and, you know, may, uh, stuck in rush hour trying to get home. And just, it was so dark, uh, such a dark period. Um, but everything that I experienced then is the foundation and the catalyst that helps me now. Absolutely. Everything I am today is a result of my deepest, darkest pain then because it's allowed me over the last 22 years to serve in Christ-centered recovery ministry, helping, helping, serving, mm -hmm. having empathy for and understanding what our folks are going through. We've helped thousands of people over the last 22 years. Yeah. And which is, that is, that is the powerful thing when you have experienced the darkness, when it really yeah. engulfed you and there was not a shred of light and was true darkness. Yeah. I have experienced that you have experienced it and it's the most dreadful and horrendous survival. I wouldn't call it being, yeah. it is, it is, you're not thriving, you're nothing. You're just no. hanging in there and every day. Yeah. And, and waiting for the next, next disaster. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't help when one works for the major supplier of cocaine out there. Uh, that is not really, yeah. Uh, they were not really saying, shall we go on a, on a wellness retreat? No, <laughs> do you like no, to do a little they, bit of mindfulness? There, <laughs> there was none of that offering. For whatever, <laughs> what, I couldn't understand, you know, yeah, let's go on a wellness That's retreat right. after I unload this kilo or, you know. Yeah. Oh, okay. so, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like good. <laughs> so how did it actually work in the sense? Was was there basically, okay, here, would you like a coffee or a bit of cocaine? Um, what how easy was it for you to have that literally in front of you? Oh, oh, it was all, it was listen, in the United States in the early 80s, cocaine dominated mm -hmm. the country. It was everywhere, every major city, Hollywood, mm -hmm. CEOs, street people. You name it. I mean, it was everywhere. Everybody had it. Everyone had it. How much was it, it then? It was a hundred dollars a gram. And how long would that last you? Uh, not long. <laughs> not long. <laughs> yeah, my, you know, yeah, my, uh, but my, I mean, I've had, I've, oh my gosh, I've been associated with people that were dropping, you know, uh, two, three thousand dollars a week or, uh -huh. It's just horrific, just horrific. And, and did you what? What did you use the alcohol for? Was the alcohol to bring you back down? Or yeah, yeah, pretty much. But it accompanied. It accompanied. I mean, it was really hard if you if you were just doing cocaine and not having something to temper that and to you know uh, you know calm the paranoia or the absolute euphoria. Yeah, alcohol was uh, it was right. a combination. Of so it was and, a careful, careful surfing of the balance to actually oh yeah, not go from one extreme to the other. Well, I would at times, but oh. uh, believe me, I did not have a scientific formula. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's not like, oh, that, I've had enough of that. Well, give me a six pack and let me. Uh, yeah. No. yeah. No, 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 just whatever comes, know. bring it on, bring it, it on. Just let me have it. Just give it, you know. <laughs> just let me, okay. uh, yeah. Just, just, just leave me be, and just let me. Uh, Indeed. No, but it, you know, everyone, it's just everywhere, mm. and you know, and it was just part of the lifestyle. Mm. That bar, restaurant, you know, nightlife mm. lifestyle, and it was just, uh, you know, uh, uh, 
just major, major yeah. operation. And, and we we weren't involved in at that elevated level. I mean, he had his people and he's doing it. But I did some low level dealing here and there. And that was, you know, uh, but, mm. you know, it was just uh, a who's who uh, on the, you know, from mm. from Florida with the product to come in. Uh, you know, driving stolen cars down there to get it, to bring it back, strapping mm-hmm. th- hundreds of thousands of dollars around the waist of another employee to fly down and pay off the, the old man, mm-hmm. as they called him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Main, the main entry point was the South, so from, from oh, South Florida. America? Florida, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it was uh, Columbia at that mm-hmm. time or, yeah. you know, but... Yeah, absolutely. Um, which is, of course, now an interesting question, keeping in mind that I'm talking to a pastor now. How was the sex? Um, it is, <laughs> I mean, it, it goes sex, drugs, rock and roll. You did the drugs and the rock and roll. Come on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was all, yeah, it was, uh, um, it was all, all combined. Mm-hmm. Yes. Good. Yes. <laughs> and but, it was, and in all fairness, I mean, I lived the 80s and typically I would get up somewhere around lunchtime and go quickly to university, get it out of the way, and then it's party time. And it was a time where we didn't have so many drugs. There was I mean, ecstasy around, but actually not sort of in the circles that I mixed. There was some cannabis around, um, yeah. really not any cocaine, the odd LSD, but we were mainly alcohol and women. Um, so that combination. Yeah. And uh, other way around, uh, alcohol and men for the girls, um, because yeah. they were just as active in the same trying to spread your wings, trying to find yourself. Who are you? You experiment. That was all there. That was the 80s for me. So I okay. guess to a certain degree, I mean, had I been involved, not in, in McDonald's serving hamburgers, but in an upper market restaurant serving cocaine, uh, it might have been different. It might have been rather. Hmm. Um, so, no, it is. It was what it was. We were young people. We did stupid things. Uh, we got away with it to a large degree. And for that, I'm forever yeah. grateful. Um, yeah. And I think you got away from, with it uh, quite a bit because there were a few things which probably a police officer wouldn't have been taken too kindly to. Yeah, right. Well, actually, they were they were in and out of that place themselves. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't... I don't I don't know. I don't know how involved they were, but or if they even knew, or they, yeah. if they were covering for uh, for him. But you know, well, it, it it was it is it, it had every every everything that you can think about that is involved in that type of lifestyle was present. Yes, absolutely. I'm a cynical man, and I believe that that humanity has a lot to learn, and a lot of people have a lot to learn. And it doesn't matter if they carry badges or um, a talar or of a priesthood or something like that. I think we're all vulnerable, very vulnerable. Everybody, everybody. we all struggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all hide. Uh, we all have character defects. We all have issues, mm-hmm. and um uh, even people even christians uh, or people of other faiths mm. uh they're yeah we all have we all have we're doing we're doing life we're doing <laughs> life and you know uh yep if you let me know if you have someone uh that you know that is just has the perfect life and has no issues <laughs> and they must be they must have a unicorn, a unicorn uh, out prancing around the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> I've got so many bad pictures come to my mind now with unicorns and then yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are talking you know, trucks again, aren't we? <laughs> but, that, but that's but that's um you know that's all that's always used as a metaphor or as an example of uh you know I agree. it's so rare, you know. But it's, but it's, it's true. It's bullshit. There is not one single person out there who is not suffering, who has not had his trauma. And, and some of us have. Well, exactly. Exactly. Indeed. Indeed. Right. We all, we, we all hide. Hmm. We, we, listen, here's a here's a here's a biblical uh, or a spiritual principle. 
Um, hiding is not new. Hi- hiding is not new. It ha- it began in Genesis chapter three in the garden with Adam and Eve. When they were busted, what's the first thing they felt? Shame. Mm. They had the word. They had everything at their disposal, everything, and they were given clear instructions. You can have and participate in this beautiful oasis and this beautiful garden. Just don't go to that tree. <laughs> what do they do? Go to the tree, right? And the first emotion that they ever felt was shame. And then the second thing they did was they hid themselves and hid from God. So that's that's been happening for forever. Mm. And um, and that's why I, I just remind people, I said, what you're doing is not is perfectly natural. We inherited that coping mechanism. We <laughs> learned that escape skill early on. And it became, a, and those of us that kept it, that, that, you know, then we brought it into our, when we were born, we were in our, we were in our youth. How did we deal with the rageaholic father or the alcoholic mother or the enabling mother or the codependent mom or the dad that was distant and abandoned us? How do we deal with all that? pain we hid and we immersed ourselves in sports or we immersed ourselves in our studies we immersed ourselves in sex with other we immersed ourselves in experimenting with drugs and so on and so on so the catalyst was was thousands of years ago by two people that made a stupid mistake and we've suffered from it for all our life right so uh, yes, you can't look anybody in the eye on the subway, on the streets, in the hospital, wherever you wherever you are, and not see someone that's hiding something. That's everybody does thing. it. Everybody does it, and the pain level in their life has to get to a point where they are no longer afraid, and they can begin to heal. They can begin the process of admitting. Uh, begin the process of bringing it to the surface and dealing with it. And if more people would do that, this world, this world would be far better off because I don't know if you've been tracking what's going on in the United States, but it's a, it's a complete mess. It's run by five-year-olds. No, no, I don't mean to offend the five-year-olds, but it's run by a ton of five-year-olds <laughs> that that bicker and their insecurities and everything is on display in all media. <laughs> and they are hiding. They are all hiding. Half of there's narcissism, uh-huh. there's un, there's unhealthy ego, there's addiction. There is, you name it, there is divorce, there is, oh my gosh, and it's, and we <laughs> suffer Thank you so much for, for saying it, because you live there, you can say it. If I say, I say it. it, I'm a bloody foreigner who should stay no, out of I the business not. of the United I, States. No, I can say it, I can say it, because I, it's, but see, I used to be that, you know? I used to be that, Uh, but it's been 36 years and I I was set free, you know, and then the last 22 serving in that, you know, Mm -hmm. environment where I get to see people set free. I get to see really brilliant people who made stupid decisions in their life, humble themselves and expose their shame, failure, pain, and turn their entire life around. I, I, that's what fuels me. Not just that it happened in my own life, but I get to I get to be on the front row on the battlefield, and I get to see it. And I my prayer is, gosh, if it would take over our our government, and and if anybody would have the sense, you know, to to witness to them, to hand, you know, to oh gosh. Anyway, mm-hmm. no, you, 
<laughs> I, I had you on a good run today, and I love it. I absolutely love it. You are you're speaking out of my soul. And I just whilst you were talking that I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to do a study on your congressman and do a, just a psychological study? And see how many personality disorders there are, number one. Number two is how many psychopaths and sociopaths we are talking about. And number three, what other uh, mental health disabilities <laughs> or mental health problems can we pick up in each and every one of them? Oh, that would be a study for, oh, yes, please. I would pay money to yeah, read and, that and, study. But, but there, but you see, recovery intimidates their denial. <laughs> They don't want to, they, it's so evident just by hearing them talk and they're so rooted in denial and narcissism. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. I shouldn't, I shouldn't do a blanket statement, but a majority of them, the ones you see on a regular basis. Yeah. You, you can, and they think if they think the American people especially are just absolutely stupid that we don't see that and it's so clear. And that comes that that comes around to you and I, right? When we used to have these blind spots and we used to have these character defects and these other things that we were totally clueless of because we were medicating and we could mm -hmm. care less. All we cared about was being selfish and taking care of ourselves. That's all we wanted to do was please ourselves, mm -hmm. right? So true, Greg. So true. Yeah, exactly. So, and so you and I, not that we're judging or condemning, but we see in others what we used to be like. And There's a nice saying. Back. There's a nice saying. You can't bullshit a bullshitter. And... <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly that is exactly what happens to me. Well, as a recovery pastor, I won't use it. I, I won't phrase it that way. But. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, I know. But it's sometimes you have to to speak the language of your clientele. Yeah, or, yeah for example, I ran I ran a huge pain clinic uh, in the past, yeah. and yeah. in those pain clinic, I, I had two thousand plus patients. I checked on each and every one of them. How many out of 2,000 do you think did not swear? How many did not swear? Did not swear out of 2,000 people. Not? From Did not. out From all walks of life. From 99% of them. Uh, oh, oh uh, 1%. 1%. Nope. You're off. One. One single person did not swear. And that was a pastor. And he's actually a neighbor of mine for crying out loud. And the guy, despite of what, what his, his God decided to do to him, um, he decided, no, I will not swear. End of the story. Otherwise, right. little old ladies, uh, proper gentlemen, you name yeah. it, for crying out loud, every single yeah. one let rip. So therefore, I'm I think I, we sure. should give ourselves permission to, to from now and then, uh, be frank and uh, more flowery in our description of our feelings. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I, I make it a practice to uh, to care for people, be a people helper with a balance of grace and truth. Now, the truth is, the Bible is very is all is the truth, and I will. I will back that up and be very direct with you. And I've sat with many a guy and I, without, I used to, I used to cuss like any, like, oh, you would never, you wouldn't recognize me, but I gave it up 29 years ago. You know why? Because my, my wife at the time, who was my girlfriend, looked across the table from me and said, you know, you got a real mouth on you. You know that? And I was stunned. Oh, I was like, Oh, and there was one of my characters, one of my blind spots that uh -huh. she pointed out. And I, I, I quit. I gave it up. I nice. love her too much. I nice. love her too much. But, uh, but the truth I share now is very direct. It's, mm. it's from a place of grace and love. But I tell guys, I let them know. Mm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not afraid to hold back, but I don't have to, you know, Mm. Add a few adjectives in there. 
I use that to my advantage because as a doctor, I'm proper and yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. trying to Absolutely. be empathetic. Um, at the same token, that can build up a wall. And yeah. by actually using a carefully placed swear word or, or a colloquialism, yeah. uh, that yeah. makes someone giggle and suddenly the, the whole the whole walls come down and I get the real the real version. I get the real guy to see. see. So All that right. is that yeah. is so I guess we're getting sidetracked in, into the advantages and disadvantages of direct speech. Uh, I okay. think we I think the the fact is the sheer fact that we are talking so honestly about our lives here is so telling is so so telling about the transformation that has occurred in us and that makes us oh, yeah. not the people who we are so what was the catalyst for you what happened in the past that changed you suddenly from the cocaine sniffer um to a man who says actually that's not me what happened um I was standing by my dad's bedside when he was dying. Oh. Um, my sister called and said he was not well. And, um, and this is a man that I, uh, I loved him, but we had no, no nurturing, loving, caring relationship. And I was six years clean, right? Uh, up until, uh, let's see, um, yeah, I had, I had extricated myself from that lifestyle. I had turned my life around. I was getting healthy again. I was, I was having, there was some purpose I found. And, uh, but I was six years clean, but I was still miserable. I was still miserable because I hadn't dealt with any of the shame, the pain, the guilt, the failure. Hadn't dealt with it. So, uh, you know, uh, it's one thing to be sober and clean, but that's the byproduct of really doing the real hard work of working on our our issues, our pain, our shame. And I hadn't worked on anything. I was just coping still. But but, but the pain level, and I was just miserable. I, I was just miserable and the burden was great until I stood by his bedside when he was dying. And my whole life came rushing before me, everything, everything. And I said to myself, my dad's gonna die. And I've done nothing with my life, nothing. Uh, and I feel like a complete failure. And that was the point and the catalyst where the pain in my life was greater than my fear of changing. And it shook me to the core. And see, God, God's, God's really awesome that way. He doesn't cause the pain, but he allows the pain for the sole purpose of getting us to a place where we Hopefully, he hopes we'll turn our life and ask him to come in and take over our life. And that's exactly what I did. The next day, I left that hospital room. They, he was bleeding internally, and they couldn't, they could not figure out whether he had hours to live or if he would make it. And that, but that was enough for me. And I left, and, and we left the hospital. The very next day, I cried out, to, cried out to God, and I said, "I can't do this anymore." I've tried, I can't do it anymore. And I need you to come in and take over my life. Uh, my what? dad's going to die. And I, 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 this pain, shame, guilt, that what I'm feeling, God, please, please take it from me. And I will tell you, it was miraculous because I, the Craig that got down to pray, and the Craig that stood up afterwards after about an hour was totally different, totally different. The burden was lifted. My outlook changed. And that was that was day one, day one of my recovery. A higher power greater than myself. <laughs> I asked to take over my life because I tried to control it, try to manipulate it try to hide it. And I was so tired, Stefan. I was so tired and worn out. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it anymore. And it was being brought to the bedside of someone that I longed to have a relationship with that shook me to the core. And that changed my life forever. My immediate question that came to my mind was, 
why God? Where did he suddenly come in? Why did you ask him? Because I, I grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. My dad was a minister. What I saw from the pulpit versus what I saw from behind closed doors were different, though. Very uh, dysfunctional. Uh, um, we had to make dad look good. <laughs> we had no identity. Uh, we had no identity. Uh, we had no identity. My mom enabled it, made sure the kids, my sisters, and I made sure our dad looked good. Father Brown had to look good. Don't you ever mess up. Don't ever, don't, don't let me catch you, catch you uh, doing something bad. And that's just pre too much pressure. Anyway, mm -hmm. but seeds were planted in that church environment. Seeds were planted. I had no relationship with God whatsoever. None. I ran from him. I said to myself, if my dad is supposed to represent God, I want nothing to do with him. I want nothing to do with him. So when I ran off and got off college and dropped out and went to the party instead of going, I should have played college basketball and I came back home and then I got into the bed of hell and all that. Uh, seeds were planted and there were, I have a, it's interesting, my family tree, I have so from the 1600s, there are a lot of pastors, a lot of pastors, and they prayed for me. They prayed for me that one day that their, you know, children after children after that, and um, that's why God. Um, I knew of Him, and I knew. Uh, enough, enough that uh, that was my only recourse was to ask him to come take over, and he did. And it worked for you. It worked. Oh, my gosh. You got... Oh, my God. Yeah. And I've seen it work in thousands of mm. people's lives it's, over the last 22 years. Yeah. Oh, it worked. <laughs> and as I'm... Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm... <sighs> jealous and envious of your conviction, but not in a negative term. Uh, it is, it is, I'm really pleased for you that you found that stability, that serenity deep inside, because that's what we pray for. God grant us the serenity to, yes. indeed. And it is, it is for an alcoholic that, or for any addict that is, what we wish and in true fact every man and woman on this earth will have the same wish give me the serenity the stability the peace inside to live my life to the fullest rather than reacting to the chaos that is external as well as internal and that is that is really it is a thing but if for you to to change from that from that chaos that is really you towards the stability you need to have something happen. There must be a catalyst. There must be something or someone who shakes your, your molecules and rattles your cage until you actually are so far out there in your discomfort zone um, that you are, that it is easier to change towards doing the right thing than to stay in the pain that you are. And that is when we stop hiding. That is where the magic exactly. happens. I stopped hiding that day. I stopped hiding and I started healing. And what were the first steps? You had this kind of revelation. You suddenly felt that there was some way out. You felt that there is light somewhere. Someone has put a little candle yeah. into the darkness for you. What were yeah. your next steps? I just immersed myself in, in the Bible. I immersed myself and uh, we found a, 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 a Bible te teaching church. I found safe people. Mm. Uh, I found trusted people, mm. people that I could share my, my deepest secrets with. And it was, uh, it was like unleashing, you know, it was like just uh, an overflow of pent up <laughs> pain, shame, guilt, and emotion and my pastor my pastor who was a dear friend dear friend he was one of the first 
20, you know, 29 years ago, eight, 29, 20, 29, where he listened. He listened. You see, you and I were surrounded by a bunch of people that wanted to fix us. And people can't fix people. Hmm. And that's why we held him at bay. Get away from me. I'll do this on my own. Yeah, um, right. But that was all gone. You know, I, I, I now that was no longer me. But I found him. I found someone that loved me unconditionally and accepted me for who all all my stuff. And um, he asked me some questions that cracked open the door, and I just start. We were at lunch, and I just started bawling. I couldn't even finish my lunch. <laughs> I just start. I just start. And it was the first. It was the first of many opportunities for me mm. to begin to verbally confess and share. Mm. And the other was with my now wife. Um, you know, she's one of the first women I trust. First, she was different. Uh, she saw through into my heart. She saw the man that I, she saw the future me really uh, without me even realizing it myself, you know, and I trusted her and we've been together 20, we just celebrated 28 years of marriage and have three beautiful sons and uh, the Lord placed her in my life at the right time. She was in a hospital. She was in the hospital that day with me when I was standing by my dad's bedside. We were we were dating. She's seen. She knows all. She's seen everything, and has in you know. And when you surround yourself with people that you trust and people that are, and I cannot put enough emphasis on safe people. There are a lot of people that mean well, but I've always made made it a practice to never take advice from someone more messed up than I am. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah. And there are a hell of a lot of them out there. You're quite right. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And now, they're, hard, they're, they're not as hard to find. Like, you know, if your listeners are really, they're not as hard to find as one would think. Hmm. Because we talk ourselves out of it before we even try to, locate that woman for the woman or the man for the man to be able to you know um to share i i'm a firm believer just being able to share like you've i'm sure you've done your inventory you do your inventory you work your steps you have someone that cares for you that that is that is supporting you and pushing you and telling you when to pull back and when to, you know let's speed it up a little you know oh mm. come on and it's interesting. So I want to I want to draw on these similarities here because you have used um, religious words and words that align with church, with regards to exactly the same principles. Where we were talking essentially uh, the twelve steps, and you had incorporated them into a, a true meaning of uh, there is a God of our understanding which helped yes. us, etc. Indeed, indeed. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. That is a beautiful way. And if indeed, if you guys out there, if you have found Jesus Christ, and it's now time for you to actually change tack and, and maybe uh, yeah. turn your life around, then here is a solution. Here's a solution yes. that was created in the 1930s, when the focus was on God. And when indeed, where it was all sort of, it is beautiful. So that there is a, a beautiful message there and for those of you already on that path congratulations that might yeah. be one thing there might be others out there however who are clearly not into god for them yeah. for atheists and humanists like me god can be a prickly little thing when you say god grant me the serenity and you have to say well actually i don't believe in a god so therefore whatever you say out there must be wrong because there is no god because i don't believe in it yeah, hang on there, guys. Um, God can be a group of orderly drunks. 
or a group of druggies, okay? That can be God. They can be those people who have gone the path before you and got their shit clear. It's the power of them out there. And that is what we're talking about. So only just because you don't happen to be believing in God doesn't mean to say that there is no way out through a, a system that is really well worthwhile to look at because it's systematic and it, it, it involves you taking a brutal inventory of what is really going on in, inside yourself. That's where you stop hiding. That's where you start healing because you actually look at what is broken. Only once you know what is broken, can you actually either fix it or throw it away, dish it aside and create something new out of the ashes. So that is really step four, the inventory. And then step five, sharing that inventory with someone else. These are the powerful things. That's where suddenly magic happens because you're actually talking. You're actually yes. communicating. You're actually right. sharing. And I, I, was, I was taken back by the passion with which you said, wow, suddenly sharing that with someone was such a liberating point and that same held true for me in the first week in rehab i was the moment i said i'm an alcoholic it was nearly as as if the 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 whatever held the flood back was breaking down and mm-hmm. out came the flood and for me it was important because i had much of my my resentment came from my position as a doctor and uh, things that i perceived wrong yet i couldn't speak out i felt i can't say a thing because i'm gagged as a doctor to speak out against the institutions for which i work and which pay me and so there i am and here i was suddenly in that safe environment with safe people where i could suddenly sing from the top of my voice my god they couldn't shut me up for a week and that was and of course i was ranting about the things that i saw as the reasons for my pain needless to say (laughs) needless to say that changed quickly after about a week or so (laughs) they had dealt with that little (laughs) <laughs> distraction <laughs> and now let's talk about you stefan but 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 we need to talk about them they did that to me and that's the reason i had to drink two bottles of vodka a day and no let's talk about you shall we and that's where the really the healing started and that's where i started suddenly peeling away the rotten onion layers one by one and actually exposing the pus in me and that is was, was the most beautiful thing. But the, the fact, the speaking out and the sharing in a safe environment was the most beautiful right. thing that one can do. And yeah. it's so important. And, yes. But it's also so painful, isn't it? To actually the oh, first time yes, to admit yes. to it. The sheer fact that you were bawling your eyes out in the restaurant with your, with your friends there, that says a lot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's that's the cleansing, that's the grieving. You have to grieve that loss. You have to grieve that pain. You have to grieve that shame. And it's just part of the process. Yeah, sure, it's not easy, but it's so liberating and so free. So free when those chains are finally snapped. And the the scales come off and like you mentioned the the layers begin to pull back and and it's it's about developing that self-awareness that we were so unaware of right so unaware of and we have to go back you know before i have a chapter in my book it's called creating a new past a lot of people look at me crazy when i say you can create a new past but you can Uh But you have to deal with the old one first. So I have 36 years clean, right? Um, But I didn't start creating new past until that day that I cried out to God. And my past, my new past began that day. Right? So I've worked hard at that. So when I look back, when I look back, then I think about what I, my relationship with my father, 
or that pit of hell or the people I harmed mm. or the stuff that was done to me mm. or the, the darkness, depression and all that. I don't look back and, mm. and get depressed because of everything that I went through. I look back now because of the hope, the change, the grace in my life that I was given, the, the, new, the new start to my life. And I created a new past. And I share with people how to do that. And they look at me like I'm nuts. But you can be set free from the old and begin a brand new one. So I have 28, 29 years of new past. The problem, of course, is also in your with your perceptions that your your mind and your soul hates pain and they they want to avoid pain. And sometimes it's oh. very painful. It's hugely painful for us to admit that we might have been at fault as well. So your I'm brain sure. subconsciously tries to warp this truth just a little bit more until suddenly you've got a memory that's no longer as painful because now suddenly the whole, the whole whatever has occurred is someone else's fault. Part of my recovery was to actually think back and deconstruct such mind abstracts and actually take a good hard look and see how much I was involved in some of the events there. And funnily yeah. enough, when you do that, you actually have to admit, damn. Um, hmm. Yeah. So you're rewriting the past quite literally. Because yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> There is this, this, this story when it comes to a fight between a man and woman, there are three sides, his, hers, and the truth. And the same is with regards to anything that has occurred in the past, that's your memory. Is your memory really accurate? Right. I, I right. bet, I bet, I'm not a betting man, but in this case, I give you $1,000 if it really true, turns out to be true. I bet you right. it does not. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so much, so much to do. And you had your awakening literally there at the bedside of your father and then had the awakening uh, later on where then things again changed and you actually became more outspoken and became truly a pastor. I mean, you were you were seeking salvation for the lack of a better word uh to start off with and then suddenly something occurred to you that you actually said you know what i want to be a mouthpiece for yeah. god of god um how did that come about what changed um, then well i without even making the effort god started bringing men to me to minister to and to help right and he'll do that you see, when you have the capacity, the capacity to care for someone, and he has seen what you, what has trans, transpired, what has transformed your own life, then he needs help. And boy, does he need a lot of help. Um, and so, uh, so I was getting healthy, and I you know, things. I was, again, I was healing mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And as a result, um, I began to have relationships with guys that were really struggling. And I just started caring for them and helping them and being there for them. And, uh, but, and I had this, um, I, I always... I'll use the word calling, but it's so cliche, but I had this burden to do more. And that's when we started the ministry 22 years ago. And um, we went out on faith and it just took off. And um, see, the church hasn't done a really good job of caring for people that struggle with addiction. And other Amen. things. Amen. The church, the, the church, the church is more inclined to point to other resources, and to a degree to punish. 
and to a degree to give you shame so, and guilt, certainly some subsets of the church, i.e. Catholic church, etc. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, when I say that, and it's a couple things, recovery intimidates the denial of pastors. Recovery intimidates <laughs> the denial of people. Pastors struggle as well. Um, church people struggle uh, as well, but it intimidates their denial. So they'll go and operate and, you know, but yeah, there are, I, I, I can't name any, and I, but I just can imagine that the, that the types of places where it's sin, condemnation, you're just, you know, uh, get out, uh, turn your life around, you know, don't don't even come don't even approach me with that type of stuff man because i'm about grace mercy love acceptance come as you are uh you know um so many places are about abstinence before you could ever get help please you come as you are and let's let's in the environment alone and the love alone and the structure alone and the, the empathy alone and people that have been to the pit of hell and back are there. Just get in that environment. And I see sobriety and abstinence is the byproduct of doing the work. Start doing the work. Don't be so myopic that you're just trying to get another day or another week or another. That will happen. But let's get that heart healed. Let's get that mind healed. And the emotion, mental, mental, and the physical and the spiritual healed, you know. Um, but the church, um, you know, just it, it's it's been interesting. Um, but I, I can only speak of our church, and, and our pastor is one hundred ten percent recovery, healing, whatever you know, whatever we can do as a church family to help you, and that's the way it should be. And it's not always the case, but again, um, you know, it's intimidating. It's really, really, but a church should be a place where you restore from within, you know, it should happen from within, but a lot of people feel, you know, ill-equipped to be able to, to be able to help. And, and, and that's no fault of anybody's. I, I get it. It's intimidating if you don't know. At the same and, token, how large is your congregation? How many people are in your church? Oh, thousands. Oh, well, now, crikey. So if you just take the law of, uh, not even law of average, uh, we know that one in three people are chemically addicted. So yeah. here you go. Of these thousands, there are mm -hmm. what? If there are a thousand in there, so there are 300 people who are addicts, full stop. So yeah. now of these 300 addicts, we have to admit that 95% of them will deny everything they will say no under no circumstances um yeah. is there a way forward right. so that's 300 right. um that leaves us 15 one five which are not in denial and which either have seen the light and are doing something about it or will about to do are about to do something about it Now that's 15 yeah. people. That's a hell of a lot. Okay. You yeah. need 12 yeah. people in a, in a jury. Um, so you've got 15 people already here to turn lives around. So if you just yeah. work on these kind of things, it's just a matter of facilitating those people coming together yeah. because they right. will be still hiding or in various forms of hiding. None of them will yeah. go up to the front and say, come on, pastor, move over. Hey guys, I'm an alcoholic. You know what? Yeah. 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 <laughs> come out. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. although that is exactly what should happen. Um, It should. If, yeah, yeah. If, if people were actually keen on facilitating change, it's, yeah. it's quite nice to think of a, of a benevolent God and Jesus Christ and everything is going to be honky-dory, but that's just as much as positive thinking. I will think positive now. I will focus on the rainbow. And meanwhile, I'm sick and dripping wet from the rain, which I do nothing about. Hell, that doesn't work, does it? So therefore, so I think that is where I take my hat off to those churches that are actually facilitating the AA meetings and take an right. active role in that recovery right. system. 
And it doesn't necessarily mean to be that it is AA. It could be completely something different. Uh, yeah. Giving a church church room, making that available to some other uh, setup that wants to do good. Hey, beautiful. To just be open and not without judging. Actually, no. actually, just being there and let someone warm themselves up, literally, over a cup That's of coffee right. and say, hey, do you want to talk? No? Right. See you maybe next Tuesday. And that's it. Just that little bit that you cared, that you sat down with the guy and offered him a coffee. Right. That could have been that, the, the, the end. That could be it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I, I never overlooked the simplest of gestures. Ever. Isn't it? Agreed. 100%. Never, never overlooked hmm. the simplest of, of gestures. Hmm. Yeah. And guys out there, who says that you cannot do something similar? Who says yeah. if you're still in the depth of, of your addiction that you cannot maybe make yourself available to receive such a gesture? Because if you never right. turn up in such a meeting, then, well, it's very unlikely that anyone will try to break down your door and come in to offer you a cup of coffee. It's unlikely. So it doesn't know, happen very often. Doesn't yeah, exactly. So right. therefore, but if you were to come to a church meeting uh, yes. such as Craig's, Yes. What could possibly go wrong? Right. Right. And, you, you know, know but, starting but, with that. Yeah. Well, and, and we never, ever underestimate one's experience with former religious or church experience or, you know, we never underestimate. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of barriers, you and I both know. There are a ton of barriers in our way. Mm -hmm. And it's just about having that courage to walk in that first night. Uh, and I commend everybody, anybody that walks in that first night. But you know what? It's that isolation, uh, that isolation and the, uh, the identity, that um, identity of being a failure or being full of shame or taking on the identity. You see, it's, You did it and I did it. And I, there may be some of your listeners, <coughs> excuse me, struggling with that now. But it's natural for us to take on the identity of pain, shame, failure, never make it, never do anything with our life. I mean, it's just going to keep hiding. You know, that's 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 the identity. that, And it's a comfort zone. Believe it or not, as painful as it is, but it's all we know. Mm. It's all because we're too afraid of the other But when they can break out of that isolation and that bondage and that identity and step into, just give it a shot. Exactly. Give it a shot. Step into that environment where there are safe people and people mm -hmm. that are where you are or where you've been or, or uh, you know, a few steps ahead of you mm -hmm. uh, that are there to accept you for who you are. See, and people have perceptions that the church is about condemnation or God is about condemnation. And he's not. He's not. He's about love. Because hmm. all of us were beautifully and wonderfully made. Right. And the Bible says in his image. Hmm. So we all have, you know, based on our past, our pain, our experiences, and we have choices, beautiful gift of choice. And my prayer is for anybody that might be listening that make that choice, have that courage mm. to step into that, that, that freeing, loving, caring environment. Mm. And you'll be glad you did. Mm. Absolutely. 100% agreed. Uh, I mean, guys, you are, you would be silly not to take advantage of something like that. If this was, for example, in your hometown, Yeah. Um, nowadays, there might be social isolation and distance isolation, so you might not be able to get to anything. Right. Nowadays, there are Zoom meetings. There are places yes. that you can tap oh, into. Are. Exactly. Yeah. So it is. There is no real excuse anymore for you not right. to accept the help that is out there. And you might say, ah, oh, no, 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 I've been to that church. It was a disaster. I hated it. Religion is not for me. That's the same as if you say, well, I've dated one man and he was an asshole. 
So therefore, I will never, ever date again. Okay, that's it. No more man. That's it. Christianity, I don't care. It's a, I had one church. It doesn't really work like that. The other thing no. I want to say, sorry, the other thing, Craig, I wanted to say again and again and again is, it is the AA says God of your understanding. So if your God is Allah, um, or if you're a Sikh, or if you're any kind of other naturalistic uh, religion, it does make no bloody difference, okay? That is, uh, too many Muslims are drinking and are suffering from it with the same shame and guilt, etc. It does not matter a blind bit. So therefore, please do not get sidetracked with this God thing. Don't get sidetracked. Now, if, if it so happens that you feel encouraged and empowered by being in a place of God. And, and, and if Jesus Christ is something for you, it will become something of you. Great. Yeah. If not, use the resources that are there. Use the, the help that is there because these are people, regardless how they got to that point. Greg, you came yeah. through religion. I came through a science approach. A, I, I went through an, uh, a agnostic 12-step uh, program. And it was absolutely fine. It's still the same endpoint. There are people who have beaten our demons. We have beaten the darkness. We have beaten right. the, 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 the stupid us in the past. We kept that at bay now, and we live a life so full. And that is really what you want, guys. That's why you listened for the last hour to this interview. That's why you've listened and watched other interviews with me, because it's that passion. This is not saccharine bullshit. This is me being honest. This is me living my life to, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the maximum right now in this second, because I've seen, I've been in such dark places. Now, thanks, forget that. Now it's time to share that. And that's what is beautiful. And I invite you all on that path. And how you get there, I don't know. I don't know. For Craig, he, for, when you listen to Craig's interview and hear, and you think, wow, this is exactly it. Well, there's your answer. There's your answer. So, Craig, if people get really, get really uh, fired up and actually say, well, I want to know more about this Craig, Craig Brown guy. First of all, show us your book again. Come on. That is a damn good starting point here. Stop hiding, start healing. Okay, Greg Brown. There it is. You would be stupid not to buy it. Uh, if today was really, if you found, if you've watched this interview this long, you might as well buy his book. And whilst you're there, by the time this video airs, my second edition of my Steps to Sobriety, uh, is called Steps to Sobriety, uh, will be out uh, for publication, out for you to buy. So go out there, you know, two books, you know, it's nice. It's a balance. You've got two hands, two sure. books, two eyes, you know, so buy two books. Um, and <laughs> go out there. And well, you can read two books at a time. I want to meet that person. <laughs> <laughs> to Touche. Uh, so start with one and then go to the other and compare. Yeah. Do it this way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the point is there is help out there. And there uh, is. Greg, you have written there your is. book and uh, uh, you are basically, where is your congregation actually? In which part? It's, of in, uh, it's in Maryland, yeah. uh, right outside of Washington, D.C. Right. And so, um, like out, of interesting, out of interesting, uh, is, there, is the old restaurant still active? Uh, no. <laughs> no, just checking, just checking. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's funny. You know what? Uh, you mentioned McDonald's uh, yeah. earlier on. Yeah. I think it turned into, I think the space turned into a McDonald's. <laughs> so, so they're serving burgers and fries. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. Would you like really, to have some fries with the cocaine? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something else very, uh, just as unhealthy, uh, you know, so. And as addictive on that yeah, note. Well, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to ask that question. It just came to me. I don't know, yeah. But, um, no, nope, nope, it's not there. <laughs> not there. Great. But, um, yeah, I would, um, to your listeners, um, if they ever wanted to, if, you know, get in touch with me, they're more than happy to reach out and uh, I'll be your friend. Uh, I'll tell you that right now. And someone that is... Uh, has a, an abundance of empathy and abundance of understanding 
and acceptance. Mm -hmm. um, if you wanted to reach out, totally up to you, but I, I would welcome a call or a direct message in Facebook or an email or whatever. Yeah. Guys, check down there. I have put the information of Craig into the description of this video and of this podcast. So just go straight there and say hello. Don't even think. Just if if you want to, if you've got the feeling, would be good to yeah. say, click it, click it. Yeah. But first, you need don't, to come down there. Don't you need to. <laughs> Sorry, no, no, no. Wait. There, there's one little step in between. There's this little subscribe button. So whilst your mouse yeah. is hovering down, you press that subscribe button so that you hear other other interviews <laughs> of fantastic guests such as Greg. Uh, and then you move further down with your cursor and then you click straight away onto one of Craig's handles and uh, and say hello. Because yeah. again, reach out. what could yeah. possibly go wrong? Exactly. You already heard my voice. You know what I look like. I hope I'm not scary. Uh, you know, so uh, you know, I've been, I've been there, and I understand if if you so choose. But it's your choice. It's everybody's choice. Yeah. But I certainly have have chosen a long time ago to stop hiding, and was the best decision I've ever made. Yeah. And I, we both encourage all of you out there to come onto the same path as we are, a path of fulfillment, authenticity, humility, joy, true peace. It's it sounds corny. It sounds crap. It is not. It actually is no. the most beautiful existence that I could possibly wish for. And yeah, it's I agree. nice. Yep. Greg, thank you yes, so sir. much for being on my show. This was a fantastic interview. Um, you're a great man, and I'm really pleased that 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 you found your way out of darkness, and you had that helping hand from above. Um, yes. And it is beautiful. And may may there be heaps more energy coming your way to be there for others and to spread the word. And certainly your book is a bloody good start to reach more of the audience. And God knows, the world needs to hear your message. So yeah. yes, so let's spread the word. So, Greg, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Love being with you. And you guys out there, look after yourself. Bye. Bye.